Hey, welcome to Table Flippers Podcast, Ministry of Greater Worship Christian Church in Lancaster, California. I am your host, Apostle Robert Enos. This is where we talk about the issue the church faces and how the church should respond to those issues. Here we will talk about doctrine, theology, politics, social and cultural issues, and how the church is to deal with these things. So get ready for a large dose of truth and get ready for the tables to be flipped. Here at Table Flippers, table flipping is what we do. Today on Table Flippers, I want to talk about something that's been somewhat of a phenomenon in our church world today, at least here in America. And that is this concept or this idea of Christians saying, I'm not going to go to a church, I'm going to be the church. I've even heard pastors say things of that nature from their pulpit. I've even heard uh, or seen uh, church names after that kind of thing, right? Like, you are church, I am church, and it's never we are church. And there's something important about that. But this is, again, one of those frustrating things to me that really needs to be flipped. This is a table that needs to be flipped because it's, it's foolishness. It's foolishness because it shows when we say this, when a Christian says this or buys into this, it shows a deep level of ignorance of God's word and, and what God wants and expects of us. Let's get into this. Matthew 16, 18 says, and this is Jesus speaking, I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades or the gates of hell will not overpower it. So Jesus is saying, I'm going to build my church. I'm going to build my church. So when we look at this, it must have been something extremely important to Jesus for him to say that in that manner. I'm going to build my church. So we have to kind of get beyond just the surface level of looking at this and look at what Jesus was really saying. The word church in the original language is ecclesia. Greek word ecclesia, and it means a gathering of citizens called out from their homes into a specific public place, an assembly, an assembly of people convened at a public place of the council for the purpose of deliberating. So when we really understand that particular word in its original use, we understand that the church, Jesus said that he was going to build. Now listen, don't get freaked out. You got to hear this because this is straight from the word of God. Jesus used that particular word for a reason. But the word ecclesia, where we get the word church, was more about a political assembly than a religious assembly. I'll say it again. The word ecclesia, where we get the word church is more about a political assembly more than a religious assembly. Now, that's extremely important to understand uh, that meaning and that definition because when Jesus says, I will build my church, much of the church world refuses to get involved in politics. And then you have this thing running around where people are saying, I'm going to be the church. I don't want to go to church. I'm going to be the church. Well, here's the thing. The idea of Ecclesia, church, is a gathering together, is people coming together. There is absolutely no way in God's green earth any one person can be the church. 
I'm going to say it again. There's absolutely no way on God's green earth any one person can be the church. And no, you are not the church when you're alone walking around in the mall. You are church when you come together with other believers for a purpose. And most of the time and often that purpose is not only religious, but it's even political. (sighs) I had to get that off my chest, ladies and gentlemen, because this is one of those things that frustrate me. It's one of my pet peeves because it comes straight out of ignorance and it's pushed as though it's something really spiritual because it sounds so cute. We're not going to go to church. We're going to be the church. And I understand that the building that the church meets in is not the church itself, but the people that gather inside that building for the purpose of communing with one another and with Christ, that's church. You cannot be alone and be church. It doesn't work that way. All right? So, simply put, go to church and stop making excuses. Go to church. I know a lot of people say, but I've been hurt. I've been hurt in that church. Go find another church. You know how Christians are. They're all hypocrites. Great, you'd fit right in. Come on, go to church. Because isn't it hypocrisy to make up all of these uh, strange and cute little doctrines to excuse your disobedience to the Word of God? Go to church. Anyways, let's go on with this. I'm having fun with this. Yay. Hebrews 10, verses 24 and 25 says this, and this is the New English translation. Verse 24, let us... Take thought of how to spur one another on to love and good works, not abandoning our own meetings as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other and even more so because you see the day drawing near. So this talk talks about not abandoning the means and, and it gives this idea, go to church. Why? Because that's where you can build one another up in love, build one another up towards good works. That's where you can get built up yourself. You can help build other people up. And it it, it says right here, not abandoning our own meetings or our assembly or our gathering together. Don't abandon that because to do so means, one, you're not church unless you're with the gathering unless you're with the assembly. But secondly, you're not getting built up by that assembly unless you're in the assembly and with the assembly. That's the way this thing is supposed to work. Again, I'll just be honest with you. I personally am tired of hearing people uh, say things like, well, I was hurt in the church. You know what? If we were to be honest with ourselves, anybody that's been around for a little bit of time and had maybe several jobs throughout their uh, career, their life, Uh, Often people leave a job because the boss was bad or they just didn't get along with people or it was boring or they weren't getting as much out of it. So they go find another job. They don't stop working because they know they're supposed to. It feeds their family. It takes care of them. They're supposed to do that. I don't know too many people that claim to be Christian that would argue with that. Oh no, good Christian does, works hard and takes care of his family, takes care of his own. We all know that. And if you get hurt at one job, you go find another job. Why is it that we can apply that truth to something as simple as 
a secular job to get a paycheck, but we can't apply that same truth to our spiritual life and our relationship with God when he's the one who says, go to church. And we'd like to make up all these cute little doctrines that are not founded in the Bible. I'm going to be the church. I don't want to go to church. I'm going to be the church. And you know, I don't know any one of those people that, that say that, that actually are doing anything of any real value. And that's just the, the, the truth. They say that, it sounds cute. It's the same thing as saying, I'm not religious, I'm spiritual. Well, what in God's name does that mean? You know, if your spirituality doesn't get you into a body of believers where you can build one another up and be built up yourself, then your, spiritual, your spirituality is worthless. All right? I mean, it's just, it just it's boggles my mind how we believers can get into this silliness and this foolishness saying these things that have no biblical founding, yet we want to sound like we're really spiritual. Well, if you're really spiritual, go to church. Somebody there needs you. And I know this, if you're in that mindset, you certainly need the church. You need some good teaching. You need some good preaching. You need some good brothers and sisters around you to hold you accountable to what you claim you are, spiritual. Now, again, many of these people say, well, I just want to be like Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. So I'm not going to go to church. I'm going to be the church because I'm going to be like Jesus. Oh my gosh, please. We need to start reading our Bible and taking it very seriously. Let me show you about this um, man called Jesus. Luke 4, verses 15 and 16 says, he began to teach in their synagogues. If you don't know what a synagogue is, that was the church of the Jewish people of the day. So Jesus went to church. He went to the ecclesia at the synagogue and he taught there and was pra- it says he was praised by all. Now Jesus came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day as it was his custom. As it was his custom. Verse 24, we find him that he's teaching in the synagogue. Verse 25, he goes to his um, hometown or his area and goes into the synagogue as was his custom. What does that mean? That means he, he made it a point to go to church on the Sabbath. That's when they met. It was Saturday. He made a point to go to church when those doors were open. He made a point to be part of the ecclesia. He made a point to be part of the church of the day. And then we have people running around, I'm going to be like Jesus and I'm, I'm not going to go to church. I'm going to be the church. You can't be like Jesus and you are never going to be the church because no one person is the church. The church is the assembly, the gathering together. Unless there's more than one, there is no church. We have to understand this. And um, let me read something else to you from John, John 18, verse 20. It says, Jesus replied, I have spoken publicly to the world. I always taught in the synagogues and in the temple courts where all the Jewish people assembly to, assemble together. I have said nothing in secret. Did you catch that? So he says, I have spoken in the synagogues, that would be like the local church, and in the temple courts. That's where, and he goes on to say, where all the Jewish people assemble. 
See, Jesus didn't break off from the assembly. Jesus didn't break off from the overall group. He didn't break off from going to church or the place of the assembly, whether it was the synagogue or the temple. Jesus did not do that. As a matter of fact, the name of this podcast is Table Flippers. And why? where do we get that from? Where Jesus was in the temple grounds flipping over tables and cleansing the what we would what we knew as the temple, the gathering place for the Jewish people. He didn't run away from it. And when he says, I build my church, he didn't say, listen, I'm done with all you guys. I'm just going to build my church somewhere else and forget you. No, he went to the assembly place. He went to where the assembly was. He went to where the crowds were. He went where the people who looked like him, thought like him, taught like him, sounded like him. And I'm not talking about racial things. Because a lot of people will make it about that. I'm talking about more biblical things. He went to the place, he was a good Jewish man, and he went to where the Jews assembled. And he did that, that was his custom. He did that all the time. Every Sabbath, he's in the synagogue. Every Sabbath, he's in the assembly. Every Sabbath, he's in church. Then again, again, I know I keep harping on this, but then what gives us the right to think that we can say something like, I'm going to be like Jesus. I won't go to church. I'll be the church. I mean, I don't know. Sometimes I just get this image of Jesus standing in heaven, looking out over his body, all of his people, and just scratching his head in disbelief, wondering, don't they read my word? Didn't they? Aren't they supposed to be following me? Aren't we supposed to be followers of Jesus? Well, if that's the case, and it certainly is, then why are we not following him? Why are we not doing what Jesus did? Why are we not doing the things that Jesus would command us? And you say, well, you know, that's just a small portion. What about other parts? I mean, we can go on and on and on with this. But let me read something out of Acts 17, verse 2. Paul went to the Jews in the synagogue. So Paul went to the Jews in the synagogue, the local church of the time, as he customarily did. And on three Sabbaths day, he addressed them from the scriptures. So Paul attends this particular synagogue as was his custom, meaning every Sabbath, every Saturday, he was in a synagogue in the local church. And at least at this particular synagogue, he was there three Sabbaths, three weeks, uh, teaching and addressing them from the scriptures. You see, so he was there to build them up and present truth and talk to them about Jesus and talk to them about the cross and talk to them about how they can be saved, healed, set free, delivered. And that was his custom to be among the people in what at that time, would have been the church, the local church. Again, how is it that today people want to claim to be spiritual, they want to claim to be like Jesus, and they don't want to go to church because they want to be the church, which is is absolutely bizarre and absurd when the church is the assembly, it's the coming together. Now, uh, I said earlier that Church was, uh, the word ecclesia was a lot about politics because that's where that word originally came from. It's very interesting that Jesus used that particular word because what it was was the gathering of the citizens of, say, a city or a region to the usually the town square 
where the elders of the city, the rulers of the city, would come and present certain things, and all the people could be part of the deliberation, the political deliberation on how the city would be run and operate. For instance, uh, I'm sure something like this could have happened. Let's say one of the elders goes and visits Rome. He sees these these paved roads over there that they weren't used to because they're just walking around on dirt with ruts and mud and all that. So he sees these paved roads in Rome. He comes back and says, hey, elders of the city, fellow elders, I saw these beautiful paved roads in Rome. Why can't we do that here? It would certainly make our lives better. When it rained, there would not be big mud puddles. There would not be big ruts in the road from wagons and and horses and such. It would be easier to clean and it would last forever. Why don't we do that? So the elders could all go, hmm, sounds wonderful. Let's call the Ecclesia together in the town square and talk about what we want to do in our city since it affects them. That's where that word came from. Now, why am I harping on this? Because Jesus used that word to say, I will build my ecclesia, my church. I will build it. I will build the assembly that comes together, not only to talk about religious things, but talk about civil, social, cultural, and political things, because that's what the ecclesia is supposed to do. And how many pastors, listen, all of you who are listening to me right now, especially you pastors and church leaders, are you involved in politics? Are you involved in civil and and you know cultural uh, things? Are you out there really trying to change your city, your county, your state, or your nation? Do you go to any of the city council meetings? Do you go to, have you ever spoken to your mayor or city council members about anything? If not, I'm just going to be honest with you and bold. You're failing. As a Christian, you're failing as a church leader. Because that's the very thing. When Jesus says, I will build my church, I will build the assembly of people that will discuss what happens in their city, in their county, in their state, and in their nation. I will build a group of people that will bring about righteousness into that assembly. So honestly, the church of Jesus, the ecclesia of Jesus, is supposed to be the assembly within a greater assembly of the city. We are to be the leaven. We are to bring righteousness in so that when they're, you know, in a more modern context, when they say we want to put a Planned Parenthood um, abortion center in our city, the church, the ecclesia of Jesus Christ comes into that ecclesia and says, absolutely not, and here's why, and starts giving them the reasons why, not just from the Bible, that's important, but also what does it mean for culture? What does it mean for the society? What does it mean for the people of that city? And so the ecclesia of Jesus is supposed to be the ruling faction of the ecclesia of the city, and yet we've given that up, and we've even I've even heard pastors say, don't get involved in politics. You can't get involved in politics. Jesus is not political. The very use of this word, I will build my ecclesia, proves that Jesus is political, proves that he wants us involved in politics, proves that he wants us involved in city affairs, county affairs, state affairs, national affairs. But we've dropped the ball. Why? I, you know, to be honest with you, I don't even know where this started from. I don't know how this happened, but it's absurd and it's foolish for us to give 
the, the, the keys of a city to the people who don't serve Jesus and then wonder why our world is going to hell in a handbasket. And please, don't get off on all the end-time eschatology. Well, it just has to happen. No, it does not have to happen. It only happens when God's people give up their rights and give up their authority. God-given authority as an ecclesia, as an assembly, as a true church to get involved and change things at the city level, the county level, the state level, the national level. Listen, if you haven't or you're not, We've got to we've got to get on this. We've got to step up to the plate. We've got to live up and be like Jesus. Listen, Jesus was far more political. You know when he was arrested and taken before the the rulers and they questioned him. At one point it says he didn't say a word. He just sat there. Didn't say a word. Do you know that was being political? That was being political. He was making a statement. It was as if he was protesting what was going on and protesting their governmental rule, protesting their, their what they were doing, not just to him, but in general. He wouldn't say a word. He sat there. His, his crucifixion was, yes, of course, for our salvation, for our healing, for our deliverance. And I never want to belittle that in any way. But it was also very political. It was all about politics. The political parties of the day, the religious faction, and then the political faction, the governmental faction, coming, uh, working together to come against him. And didn't he say he was a king? How do you get more political than that, being a king? So here he is. He's protesting. He's standing up. And he is making this statement. He gave his life, yes, for our salvation, but also as a political statement to the powers that be. And why would he do that? Because by that and through that, now he can get the full government of God on his side working on his behalf, moving in that place and doing something. So it was far more political than we want to um, sometimes admit. So it's time for us to truly be Christ-like, to truly do what he wants us to do, not just walk around saying, uh, I'm the church. No, you're not. You, you're not the church, but you can be part of the church. And don't just go to a building every Sunday, sing a few songs, hear somebody babble, and then think you you did something really profound. No, take that group of people, pastors and leaders and Christians, and get involved in the affairs of your city and start making the entire city look the way you want it to look. So when they say, we're going to put in another bar, and you go, no, we don't want a bar. We don't want a strip club. We don't want an abortion clinic. No, that's not going to happen in our city. You stand up and you protest like Jesus. You protest until they start saying, listen, we better do what these Christians want us to do because there are so many of them and they really have the authority. Remember that one, that parable that Jesus said about the one widow that that kept coming before an unjust judge. At first, he didn't want to give her her petition but she wore him out because she kept coming and she kept coming. What if a thousand of you showed up to the city council meeting to to talk about something and to say, we want this in our city or we don't want this? We could really radically change every city in America if Christians would just come out of the four walls of their church and actually, I'll even use that, start being the church, really being the church, coming together and being the church in the place that it really matters. 
Yes, it's great to get together on Sunday. That should be the place you recharge your batteries so that Monday through Saturday, you are pressing in for your city, for your county, for your state, and for your nation. Come on, ladies and gentlemen. It's time that we, the believers in Jesus Christ, start rising up and start acting like we're believers of Jesus Christ. It's time that we start getting involved. It's time that we start going to our city council meetings. It's time that we start running for office and then... and then in that office have righteousness and holiness present. It's time that we start declaring the name of Jesus and what he wants for us and what he wants for our city. Do you even know what God wants for your city or are you just sitting around waiting to get out of here? If that's the case, you're going to be waiting a long time. Why? Because there is a, a people rising up in the name of Jesus, that's turning things around. If you haven't noticed, you haven't been paying attention, right now there's many lawsuits, even before the Supreme Court, and we are winning because there's just enough people willing to do it. But can you imagine if even you, if a thousand people in any city came together at one time and pressed their city government, how much we can change this entire nation? It's Again, it's mind-boggling. It is absolutely mind-boggling. We have seen the abortionists and the LGBT taking over in places, and the church has done nothing. We just sit back, oh, it's just a sign of the times. No, it's not a sign of the times. It's a sign of our us giving up. It's a sign of our cowardice. It's a sign of our weakness. It's a sign that we don't take this thing called Christianity and our relationship with Christ very seriously. That's what it's a sign of. And I, for one, am done with it. I, for one, am getting busy. I, for one, am moving forward and moving ahead. We are going to do great things. We're going to do it together as the real church, the assembly, called out from our homes to a public place to bring about God's righteousness, God's holiness, God's truth. So I thank you for tuning in because you are going to be one of those table flipper world changers. You are going to you are going to be a history maker. You're going to be the one that runs the race and does great and phenomenal things. I have faith in you. I have faith in my God and I know that through you God is going to do spectacular things. So rise up. Man of God, rise up. Woman of God, rise up. Sons and daughters, rise up and go out and change this world. In the mighty name of Jesus, I thank you for tuning in. I hope to meet you all in person very, very soon. God bless. Thank you for joining us here at Table Flippers. I would love to hear from you. You can find my contact information at www.gwcclancaster.org. That's gwcclancaster.org. Please let us know how we are doing. I look forward to hearing your thoughts and comments. Have a fantastic day.